0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Folks of color are not always included in that conversation. And so part of my life mission is to change that narrative and leave a legacy of work for us.
0: Welcome to the Black Business of Broadway, a podcast brought to you by the Broadway League and Black to Broadway. Here, we highlight the stories, how-tos, and successes of the Black professionals and legends of Broadway. I'm your host, Janine Scott. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with a multi-hyphenate artist, actor, playwright, Writer, composer, and teacher Douglas Lyons. A few of Douglas's Broadway and touring acting credits include being in the original cast of Beautiful, the Carol King musical, Rent, Book of Mormon, and Dream Girls. Douglas earned a GLAAD nomination for his Broadway playwright debut, Chicken and Biscuits, which is the second most produced play in America. Douglas served as a writer on both seasons of Apple TV's Emmy Award winning series, Fraggle Rock. Douglas is a 2020 Jonathan Larson Grant finalist and founder of Next Wave Initiative, a scholarship branch of the director's company dedicated to cultivating the next generations of Black theater makers. Douglas is also currently in the Broadway revival of Parade. Thank you for coming. Thank
1: you for having (laughs) me. You just made me smile.
0: Good! Well, look, listen... I'm reading all this. I'm like, okay, okay. You want to talk about, you want to talk about Black Joy? <laughs> this is it. You are, you are making our ancestors proud. I tell you. So, um, I want to go back. So, you received your bachelor's of fine arts from University of Hartford. Mm-hmm. But what was your entryway into the arts, and what inspired you to build, you know, that career?
1: So I'm a PK Preacher's kid. Um, and I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, my mother said I was singing since I was about three years old. And um, I did, you know, like local dancing school. I started teaching dance, like tap at 15. Not like Broadway hoofing tap, but just like you know, <laughs> what, I had, what I had learned. Um, and I was singing all the while. And I was also playing sports um, predominantly. And so I kind of only had time for that. But then the national tours of Cats and Rent, the Rent tour I would actually join three years later, came through New Haven, Connecticut. And I remember being in the audience being like, what? They, they got makeup on and they pretending to be kittens and they're singing and they're dancing. And I don't know what the story is, but I feel moved. I feel connected. I feel like electricity in some way. And um, an English teacher, Kristen Granfield, um, had just come from another district to career high school. She was there my junior year, and she started a theater program. Now, mind you, they did Little Shop their first year, and I would come and watch rehearsals, but I did not. I was, like, too afraid to participate. She was like, if you want to be in the play, you could be in the play. And I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to do it. And I would, like, leave, because I was dance teaching at a middle school at the time. But then my senior year, I was playing basketball, and they were doing West Side Story. And she was like, you gotta audition. At least audition. And so I auditioned, and I got tony um so all the jets were black and all the Mm -hmm. sharks were latino because of the demographic of our program and the day after we lost in the like quarterfinals i was in musical theater west side story rehearsal um and i did my first musical my senior year of high school and i applied to four colleges sort of very late in the game because you know kids are applying the summer into their senior year. I was mm-hmm. like fall of my senior year. And in my band room, there was a poster that said the Hart School Music Theater Dance. And I heard about Ithaca, NYU, and North Carolina School of the Arts. So I did some virtual auditions, one in person, and then we went to the local Hart audition in Hartford. And I remember leaving that audition being like, dad, this is stupid, I don't know why I wanted to. I felt like such a failure, I was like a fish out of water. Um, uh-huh. Because I wasn't a theater kid surrounded by all these kids who, you know, had voice lessons all the time. Mm-hmm. and I had the church. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but I remember the day I was out, you know, with friends and I came home and the letter was on the downstairs table and I opened it and it said, you've been accepted and a small scholarship. And I screamed, I woke up everybody.
0: I um, love it.
1: Yeah, I remember that. So. That's kind of how I got into theater, but it was really a combination of all the things I had grown up on and appreciated in one art form that I didn't know existed, this thing called musical theater. So,
0: yeah. Well, you know what? There are a lot of kids out there that are not necessarily quote unquote theater kids because, um, well, you know what? Let me stop. What made you, why were you apprehensive? About when you were going in and watching Little Shop of Horrors, um, and what what made you apprehensive? Was it because you weren't a theater kid and you felt like you know you just had church, or what?
1: what? Well, none. My let me be specific. None of the kids I were watching on that stage were theater kids either. Okay. Um, Oh,
0: okay, okay. Yeah,
1: it wasn't a theater. She started a theater program at our high school, but she had come from another district, so nobody really did it. Um, When we did West Side Story, I was telling this story to my. Um, dressing roommate we had one dancer at the dance at the gym because and everybody just stood around and snapped like this wasn't a theater town that way necessarily or a program okay. like a science and okay. business school um but to your point uh, i think i think culturally theater is not something that's passed down in the black community necessarily um as a viable career sports yes sports is something that seems like it is attainable um But theater is also, it's a different coin. It's a different appreciation. I mean, if we really go back to the history of theater, black folks were made fun of. There was blackface. We weren't really, you know, Mm -hmm. accepted into the space. So why would it mean something to our culture? Mm -hmm. Um, But me loving music so much and then having danced, I had two out of the three. So when I got to college, I had my first theory and ear training and acting lessons and... I begin to specify my skill because of the heart School. Um, but sometimes it's just exposure. It's knowing that the thing is for you, which is why, as a writer, I'm so adamant on creating work that speaks specifically to my community and centers queer folks, black women and children, because they need to know that someone is out here writing for them. Um, which at the time you know and when you go to college and you're taught the greats you know in musical theater works mm-hmm. the and the sound time uh, folks of color are not always included in that conversation and so part of my life mission is to change that narrative and leave a legacy of work for us
0: right right yeah. It's interesting because you know we are we are so artistic you know we the, the church itself is, artistic and or at least our church you know is artistic mm-hmm. you know we have the music we have the praise dancing we have the fine arts ministry where we do easter each easter, easter speeches and plays and christmas plays and things like that so to me it seems like it would be so natural for us as a people to gravitate you know to theater but i think it's exactly what you said douglas is that we don't see many works that represent us and our experiences the many layers of us and our experiences which is why it was so exciting um when you made your broadway um debut as a playwright can you talk mm. a little bit about that process i think i told you my mother like love i was i was like yep yep this she's like yes and she loved <laughs> it I, <laughs> because it was it was it was real and it was us can you talk a little bit about that and how you slid into the dms and
1: yeah so i'm a go-getter i'm a hustler i think i learned you know so my sophomore year of the heart school i left for a year to tour with rent and i had auditioned for rent six times My sophomore year of college, um, and I was finally cast, and so I've always been a person because I, you know, didn't know anything. I was like, there's auditions, and I'm studying to do this thing, like, I'm gonna go get it. I'm just been a go getter, Mm -hmm. it's just who I am. And so, when I started writing, um, I have an agent, a fantastic agent, but I also wanted to make connections. And so, when I, when Ethan and I, Ethan Pachar, my writing partner for musicals. We had our concert. I actually went to the website of every major musical theater writer and got their, like, agent info and invited them to our concert. Like, that's the mindset I have Mm business-wise. And so during the summer of 2019, Hunter Arnold, who's a major Broadway producer, had followed me on Instagram, and I... You know, looked up his profile, looked that he had done Town and all these other shows. And I sent him a message. I said, hey, man, you know, this may be inappropriate, but do you read new musicals? Do you look at shows? Do you read things? I have a couple projects. Chicken and Biscuits and Bo were the two that I sent. And every five weeks or so, I would send him a message. Did you read it yet? Hey, just checking. Did you did you read? Hey, how you do? How's your mom? Did you read it? You know, right? <laughs> I kept checking in and um, he hadn't. And then during the pandemic, when the world was shut down and people had nothing but time, I got a message in like four paragraphs that was like, I finally read your work. I think there's something there. Let's chat. And that began a collaboration that one' manifest in Chicken and Biscuits going to Broadway because there was a slot open at Circle in the Square and the filming of Bo in 2021. Um, and so, yeah, I... It was very strange because during the pandemic, when theater was shut down, I got staffed on my first television show, Fraggle Rock, which was such a gift. And so that was like happening, but it seemed like it wasn't real because it was all virtual. Um, and then as the world began to open back up and conversations on equity and you know, Broadway and diversity were really into play, there became this slot. And I remember him being like, hey, I'm sort of talking to these you know producers um, they're going to read the play. We're having a conversation. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh, and this guy <laughs> is purple. Like, tr- okay, nice try. Um, and then it became more and more clear that it was a possibility. And then uh, the IATSE union had to approve because there was a slight loadout thing. And mind you, I'm sitting in my room like, uh, we were at the Queens Theater for the world premiere, you know, the year before. I, I, I ain't going to Chicken and Biscuits. Go, a show called Chicken and Biscuits going to <laughs> Broadway. Are you kidding me? Um, and, the sto- and there's a story in that, too, of, like, when I would bring it out to artistic directors and how people would tell me to change the title to be more sensitive and, you know, trying to not silence but really monitor the mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Which I'm just not, like, that's not going to fly. Like, we're not doing that. Um, right. But, yeah, we got the call in, like, May 21. It was announced, I think, in June. Then we were casting. Um, and we were in rehearsals in August. And uh, I, I have this, like, poster up here. I, I still can't believe it happened. <laughs> like, I'm so grateful it happened. But at the time, I was, people would come to the show and hug me, and directors would show up, and folks from my past, and I'd just be like, hi! It just felt like a wedding every day. Um, Right. But what I'm most proud of with the play, uh, in 2023 alone, it is being done 10 times between professional colleges. HBCUs have done the play. Community theater. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. go off. Tell the Black church and queer story. Let's do it. Um, That, to me, you know, in the way that Lorraine Hansberry and August Wilson are, and Alice Childress are regarded yeah. and respected and admired in the business. It's less about me and more about the work. I want the play to be something that is employing black women. I know a black woman who's done two productions, a guy her equity weeks from the play. That's what I'm excited about really. And so if it had to go to Broadway to make more of an impact, I'm grateful for that.
0: Well, I know it's being done. Uh, I have a friend who actually just got cast uh, in North Carolina. And then I just saw at the Omaha Community Playhouse, where I'm from, Omaha, Nebraska, they just announced their season, and they are doing Chicken and Biscuits. Oh my, Omaha? Omaha, Nebraska, yes. I'm going to have to write that down. we have to go together down. and go see. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Nebraska, they are doing Chicken and Biscuits,
1: yes. I, I... And this is what I mean. is like that the work can change the space. The work can bring people out of their homes. When I flew to Atlanta to see the first regional production at Dominion Entertainment, I was in shock. Like there were aunties and their husbands walking in there to see the chicken and the biscuits. Yes. And when I was in, I forgot what production, in Boston, there was like this huge like, black father cackling. I'm like... The theater can do that for us, too. Yes. If you let us. It actually can do that. And I feel like TV and film have such a huge following. But people look at theater as like, oh, that's not for me. And that's just not the truth. It's not the truth.
0: It's absolutely not. And I was so... I saw that. I just saw it. They just announced it yesterday. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm talking to him tomorrow. I have to let him know. Because... (laughs) you know, Omaha you know, Nebraska's pretty homogenous, but we have a we have a major and a strong black population in Omaha and in Lincoln. And just recently they started doing a lot of, you know, a lot of plays that include us and that are for us, that are FUBU, you know? Mm. Um, and so to see that on there, I was like, Yes, I am. This 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 is the conversation that needs to be had. And when you say Black queer and you talk and we look at you being nominated um, by GLAD and I think about the Black queer experience in church mm. I am so I mean I am so grateful for you because I know so many people who have not necessarily had the greatest experience and had to hide who they were because of the church and so even though that's not the main story of chicken and biscuits, it is a story and I'm so glad that you told it because I have so many friends who live that mm-hmm. and when you look at states like you know that are that that are red or purple, we're purple we're a purple state. Um we're split and it is even more covered up than you know, in this tri-state area, and mm-hmm. so I, I am, I am happy. I am. It, it makes me happy as an accomplice. You know, it makes me happy. Um, can you talk about the importance of being recognized by Glad?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, to be honest, uh, when it came Tony season, Chicken and Biscuits was completely overlooked Um, and I again I don't have ego about it because it's not I'm I consider myself a vessel um, but I did think some of the actors you know deserve some recognition so when the GLAAD nomination came through I went oh the intersectionality of what the play does is landing and the pride of Chicken is that when people come and see this black story because they think it's just about the sisters you know balking at each other they have to also sit through a queer story. It's a two for one, and you can't have one without the other. (laughs) And I love that. I love that the legacy of the play is not just black representation. It is also queer representation and interracial love and how that collides, you know? And Mm -hmm. you're not, and you, a lot of people fall in love with Logan, you know? And they see him through the story. And a lot of white folks who come and see the play are like, I don't, I don't, why are they clapping? Why are they screaming? But through Logan, they begin to soften and understand, you know, yes. what it is to be an outsider in a story. So, nomination and the evening itself was huge. It was a really incredible night to be in that room of artistic greatness and to be black and to be queer mm-hmm. and to be mm-hmm. celebrating this play, which I just will for the rest of my life. I flew to see. Five productions before a parade started, or actually around parade. So, Boston, uh-huh. Atlanta, Portland, uh, New Jersey, and Virginia. Wow. I saw five of those last year. Yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah, the gratitude just runneth over with the play The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Well, talk, talking about um, intersectionality and bringing queer stories to the forefront, your musical bow yes. is being made into a film or has been made into a film.
1: It is now an award-winning film already. Um, Yeah, we shot it during... So Bo was first written in residence at the director's company while I was in Beautiful on Broadway. Um, And after seeing Once and doing Rent, I wanted to create something that felt like it had a sound and an energy for the new generation Um, from the producerial side, that it was small enough that it could be done all the time. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, I went down to Rockwood Music Hall and a friend of mine was putting on a very small set. It was him, his wife, and a pianist. And he was talking about his grandfather and how he would spend summers with this man instead of going to these like Hawaiian vacations with his family. And he told this beautiful story and then did a little song in honor of his grandfather. And it really moved me. And I was like, hmm, there's something about the device of a you know actor-musician telling their story and everyone participating. And that became the backdrop for what became Bo, um, this 27 year old um, musician who has sort of fled Nashville and come to New York, comes back home with his second album to tell the story of how he was young and queer and how he found himself um, and this grandfather he didn't know that he had, um, who gave him love, light and music and then how he continued on through it and all the actors in the play, who are also musicians, step out and play different parts of his life. Um, I think it is one of the best things we've ever worked on. And the film has been received very well. We were um, shown here in New York with Dances With Films, their first New York um, festival. And it like sold out and won awards. And it's been like the LGBT, Q Toronto Festival, we're in there, so it's bouncing out, you know, around the world. And there's an album on Sony Masterworks, and we're just sort of in that Broadway line, waiting for the opportunity to pop up. But I really believe, I believe in the show. And again, being a part of work that has a bigger significance than just the awards or the moment, but that it becomes a legacy, and it's actually, you know, there were black queer men who came and saw Chicken who said, "Thank you," and I want young queer folks who feel like they're in their small town and they have no place to go to find Beau and be like, Oh, there is light on the other side and I'm going to mm-hmm. sing through this album until I find that light or it could help me find that light. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it and I can't wait for the world to see it.
0: As it was, I think you posted the trailer or there was like a link to the trailer and I watched mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh my gosh,
1: this <laughs> is
0: freaking fabulous so um we're gonna speak truth to power we're gonna speak on it we're gonna put it out there it's gonna it's gonna do everything that it was meant to do and more so uh yeah power of the tongue right yes So, so you know you mentioned parade a couple of times and it it's it, it's here. <laughs> we
1: open tomorrow. We you open, open tomorrow. tomorrow.
0: Can yeah. you talk about that experience? I mean, because we've talked about you writing. We've talked about, I mean, like, you, you're everywhere. Let's just be clear. Can we talk about that experience uh, with Parade and that revival?
1: Yeah. I, so after working on Fraggle both seasons, I've become honestly very apprehensive of getting into an eight-show week for a long amount of time. Um, because life has taught me that freedom can actually create more creative juice and having more time just to bounce around. And I want to see the world with my guy and, like, live. I want to live. Mm-hmm, and sometimes mm-hmm. you can't live when you're on that schedule. And so if I didn't have to be on it, I was like, I, you know, I said to my managers, I want to do things that are short stints but are powerful. You know, get in, get the bow, tell the story, and then I get my life back. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when um, New York City Center had announced Parade, I actually reached out to Michael Arden and was like, I played Jim Conley in college. I love that show. I love JRB. I will do five tapes. I just, I would love to audition. And I went through the process. And um, we had just like a catch-up meeting. And I had mentioned, I was like, even if it's not Jim, I think there's another character who has a song. Because um, I'm very specific in like the come comeuppance of my career that like, at one point it was swing and then it was ensemble and then it was ensemble with my own solo. So anything I do, I kind of want to be in that Mm -hmm. realm. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like, yeah, you know, there's this character Riley. And so we had a meeting and, and about life. And then at the end he was like, you know, the team would, you know, be open if you're interested in doing Riley. And I was like, yeah, three weeks city center, let's do it. And there was, there was a, wholesomeness in telling the story and you can tell that the audience was into it. They loved it. They were rooting for it. They were moved by it. I was overwhelmed because I hadn't been on stage for two and a half years and then there were rumblings of, you know, going to Broadway and we backstage like, girl, did you hear? I don't know. I, I heard she got on contract, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Is there a theater? I have no idea. So that was going on for like two months um, and then like I think right before Christmas we got the offer for Broadway, and I still contemplated. I actually contemplated, and I might have almost turned it down at one point because, oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be very intentional.
0: I get like the, it. Like get The it.
1: pre-pandemic mentality was take everything you were given, You're do right. everything, be everywhere, and I'm like eight shows a week, these ankles, these vocal cords, am I going to be able to write? Can I have balance? And so part of the conversation was I need to go do this concert date for five points. I need to be at this wedding for this. I need a balance in my life and I want to show up and do the work, but can y'all mm-hmm. meet me halfway? And they did. Um, so I'm so, I'm so glad that I'm doing it. It is, it feels like the good work. Um, they took care of us in that rehearsal room. We had intimacy, folks we had wellness folks we had a daily conversation about what this story means at this time the pain that it inflicted then the pain that it could inflict while performing it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if we needed to stop we could stop we could pull the director aside we could say no we could have a conversation as to why and it was all hands on deck and so I've never been a part of any room like this yeah um 'Cause it's, it's it's heavy, you know. Yes it is. It's it's um, you know, anti-Semitic and racist and Confederate mm-hmm. flags and things. You mm-hmm. you got to be you got to be strong mm-hmm. and centered to show up every day and tell the story, but then you know the why of it and it and it right. makes you do it. And so um yeah, it's definitely a highlight of my my career and a moment I never I thought I was done, you know, Broadway acting for sure. I was like, okay so grateful and then chicken oh my god and i'm like okay for <laughs> six months we could do six months yeah right so right I'm so i'm so happy so happy to be a part of it
0: well i am seeing it next week so i am i i will i am super excited about seeing it next week you know you mentioned the the being centered and as a multi and everything okay because It's a list, (laughs) but it's good. Good. It's a good list, yeah. you know, and you talk about pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, pre-pandemic. It was like, take everything, get all the coins. Post-pandemic, it's like, wait a minute. I need to be intentional about what it is that I'm doing. Can you talk about the experience of being a multi-hyphenate in this industry as a black queer
1: man? Yeah, it is. um... Hmm. How do I say this truthfully? I come, as I told you when I was younger, I come with a heat and an energy, a passion and a desire. And I never, you know, when you're starting out as a writer, when I was writing backstage, you know, on the Mormon tour, when I met Ethan and then backstage at Beautiful and I'm like, you know, at my computer every day, there definitely was sort of an attitude, especially from some of my peers of like, oh, he's writing, okay, cool. You know, and then it turned into like, oh, you really writing <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm, really doing mm-hmm. it. And I've learned a couple of things, which is, and my agent has been very instrumental in teaching me this. You got to read the room and know who can handle your heat so that your passion cannot be used against you. Yes. When people get into their feelings. It doesn't mean you are not worthy and incredible at where you stand and what you want. It just means where you are, people may not be able to handle it. And so you have to find that room mm. where people are not challenged by your energy. You said a word, a whole word. It's, but I had to learn it. That's mm-hmm. one thing I learned. Another thing I learned is um, having, making sure I have time for myself. And that I'm not all, I will sit at this computer. Yesterday I sat at this computer and worked on a new musical lab going up this summer for five hours. And old Douglas might've worked up right until I had to shower to go to half hour. But I said, nope, you taking a nap. You gonna leave early enough so you can get yourself a salad or something and have time to sit before you do the play. So really carving out time for myself. Um, And then being intentional with what I want for a specific year. So the reason I'm amazed that I'm in parade right now is I was not trying to go back to Broadway acting merely because of the schedule. And I I like something in my spirit a couple of weeks ago was like, you really need to up your TV film focus. Um, I was blessed enough to take out shop a show with RuPaul last year with Sony TV comedy. It didn't take, but like there's opportunities. Sometimes I feel in Hollywood that I do not get in Broadway, mm-hmm. just because of the logistics and the politics of time and space. There's only 42 theaters. Right. You know, a lot of these seasons have people in residence. It takes. I took a new idea to my TV agent a couple weeks ago and it's going to market. Like we're putting it out. It can happen just quicker. Right, right. Um, so learning the difference between industries and, and knowing how to navigate my free time, like I already have my Beyonce ticket scheduled. Hey! a week and a half after (laughs) parade closes because I'm not playing on y'all hoes. I'm going to be in Miami. I'm not taking a a job. I'm going to have a vacation. I need a summer, you know? Right. right, So it's, it's really being specific and working, you know, your buns off so that you can have the free time, but also not working so much that you don't have a life. And I think pre pandemic, I was honestly unaware of what was happening with my people in the real world because I was so eight shows a week. Mm. I wasn't listening to what was happening in legislation. I was not studying cases. I was not keeping up with the world. I was focused on my career. And I think the moment I actually stepped back and took all of that in and made me more well-rounded as a human being, and it makes me better as an artist because I actually know what's going on in the real world. And that matters more than anything that could ever happen over here. Right, right. So the pandemic was really useful in that way for my mind to recalibrate how I walk through the world and what is truly a priority. Um, And Yeah. yeah. So that well, you
0: know, in in twenty twenty, which would be around the time of the pandemic, you uh, you started this you started a the next wave initiative with the directors company, and it's targeted to for black theater makers. Can you talk a little bit about that and how one can get involved?
1: For sure. Um, so I, in the pandemic, there were a lot of conversations that were happening amongst, um, black folks and industry internally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it felt like there was a lot of screaming and many organizations that were built and they're all doing amazing work. But what I have learned as a person who got into theater at 17 and did not have that pathway, especially in the politics of theater and what awards mean that I want to make sure that the younger black, you know, theater makers and choreographers and directors and artists are seen early in their career and are awarded as they're doing the work so that Mm -hmm. when they graduate, they are the Lorraine Hansberry award-winning playwright. When they have their interview or when they talk to that theater about their work, that someone else has seen them if this industry never does. And so that's really why I started it is like, there are internal Broadway affairs, but then what about the future? Right. And this felt like a way, you know, in a very small way, because it is hard to maintain, um, you know, well, I'm also trying to do all the things I'm doing, but in a very small way, we can acknowledge people in these different disciplines and people that are going out and trying to use the theater in their communities to make change and say, hey, here's a small token of love to say, keep going. Right. And you're already award-winning, and we see you if no one else does. Um, so that's really where I started it. And Director's Company and my assistant, Hannah, have been important in keeping it going and answering questions. Um, but, yeah, we're in our third cycle, and we've been able to, you know, award 10 scholarships. One yeah. of our alumni, E.C. Omaio, is currently in the Broadway production of The Lion King. Ah. Um, and she graduated last year, I think. So, okay. yeah, I, I'm like, that made me very proud. It's like, we saw you first, girl, you know. Right, um, right. And she's doing the thing, as Angela Bassett did.
0: I was, gonna say, I was about to give you the shoulder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's doing the thing. Yeah.
0: Oh, that is amazing. Well, you know, I have just one final question, and it's a question that we ask all our guests. And it's, what one piece of advice would you like to share with the Black future leaders of Broadway? Woo!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got many angles I could take this with.
0: I know, um, I know.
1: You can, uh, go, you can
0: go all of them if you want to. It's all right. Go,
1: all all <laughs> of them. Um, think less about yourself and think about those behind you. And put any issues you may have to the side if you're really for the advancement of everybody because there's already enough forces working against us. So see all of your people, very much like the black church, see all of your people, black industry folks, Mm -hmm. see all of your people, even if you don't like them, even if you don't like me, see me because we're all trying to do the same thing. And when you cut people out, you're actually not helping the next generation. So it's really just hurting you. See all people. So true. Yeah, that's what I would say.
0: So true. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you again for for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I want to thank our guests and you, our listeners. You could have been doing anything else, but you chose to spend your time with me and I. Be sure to subscribe at bpn.fm slash BBB so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, tell a friend. I'm your host, Janine Scott, and we at the Broadway League hope you enjoyed this episode of The Black Business of Broadway.